The following podcast is intended for general information and entertainment purposes only. It should not be substituted for professional medical or psychological advice. Before beginning or changing a treatment plan, please consult your local healthcare professional. So here we are in biopsychosocially distant week 8,000. Yeah, I don't even know anymore. I'm not counting. Although I am going back to work next week, allegedly. Allegedly. So going And by that, I mean I'm just going back to the office like I've been working this whole time. But right. I'm going in a couple days a week. So we'll see how that goes. I hope it goes well. Are there going to be clients or other people there? No, just staff. Good. That's a good so. way to start it off. Yeah, it's a little bit of a reduction of risk, a little bit. Yeah, uh, I'm still I'm still hesitant. Um, where we live right now, they have started to try to open things back up a little bit. Um, what's open? I don't even know. Restaurants can you can sit outside at a restaurant. Mm-hmm. The casino is apparently opening on Monday. I wouldn't know. I'm not a gambler. I am not either. I will sit at a penny and slot I, machine to get a free drink, though. I'm not going to lie to you. But some of the people that I talk to, it's so funny. My my clients' reactions to these, they're like, do you really have to go to the casino? Like, <laughs> that's like, really? It's, <laughs> it's closed in. You can barely move. I That's the last place I would go. And it's a lot of older people. I know. Well, they got nothing to do on a good day. That's why they go to the casino. Stay home. Stay home. Stay home. You can stay you home. can get a, a, a slot machine app on your iPad or your phone. Sure. Yes. Of course you can. Or you know, play solitaire or cross stitch. My cross stitch. <laughs> my cross stitch kids should be coming soon. That's so exciting. Do you have a pattern? Yo, yeah. You yeah. told me you have a pattern already. Yeah, I have a Star Wars one. Mm-hmm. I wanted to get one. That's I still have to finish nine. mine. <laughs> yes, that too. Yes. I'm really looking for a pattern that says, and I cannot find it anywhere and I don't know how to make my own yet, mm -hmm. but I'm looking for a pattern that says, um, mom, I am a rich man, which is what Cher said. Oh, I love that quote. Yes. And I can't, I cannot find it. I'm shocked, really. I found a pattern that said this proves that I could stab something 10,000 times. (laughs) Yes. I've seen that one before. I I like that one. But I want to hang it up. I'll have to send you the link to my favorite Etsy shop. Perfect. I might have bought I I bought this kit off of Etsy, so maybe Did I you? maybe I bought it from her. Oh, or maybe my first cross stitch kit was from Amazon, and it was such shitty quality. It's probably like from China or something. And the eight o'clock felt like plastic. Oh. Like it was just really <laughs> <That's> awful. <laughs> and the thread was just really poor quality. When the the DMC floss is really cheap and good quality, so. Oh, okay. never again. Never again will we Amazon. That being said, I did just buy earphones off of Amazon while I was waiting you? for you. Uh, because I'm using earbuds right now and I can't stand earbuds. And oh, oh, oh. My ears are weird. So I got over the ear headphones. There you go. The noise canceling one? The hell if I know. I don't know. It had four stars. <laughs> Basically, these fall out of my ears. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I need to get, I need to re-get because I had them and I, I don't know what I, I don't know, probably when I moved from my, from my apartment to my house, I had those earphones that used to hook over your ears from when you, for when mm. I run and mm-hmm. I started running again. So, um, now I'm constantly just shoving my earphones back into my ear and it looks like I'm flipping people off, which I am. Well, yeah, secretly, um, right? Which I, I have am. to do that yeah. too. Because I, I have I have ones that are they're earbuds and they're um they're Bluetooth but they have a wire that connects them. Mm-hmm. Anyways, um they're kind of they're getting a little old. So as mm-hmm. I'm running, I'm like <laughs> sticking them back in my ears. Yep, them back in my ears. And I like and I use my middle finger. It's the longest one, so it looks like I'm giving people the bird. Like I said, cause I am. <laughs> so just. If you want to stick around to the end of the episode, we're going to have a conversation about what's going on in the world right now, because I know a lot of people are understandably emotional, and we didn't want to pass up the opportunity to speak on it. Um, So please stick around for our little roundtable discussion at the end. 
Absolutely. This part of this is what this podcast is all about body, mind, and soul, and dealing with how we relate to others and how we relate to the world around us and how we relate to ourselves. That's right. That's right. So let's get into the let's get into this episode, Kayla. What are you gonna tell me about today? I am gonna tell you about Miss mm-hmm. Sarah Winchester. <gasps> and her crazy and, house. And this the Winchester Mystery House. Yay. So the Winchester Mystery House is located in San Jose, California, and it was it was constructed between 1886 and 1922 um, from a, an already standing farmhouse. So are you ready for the dimensions of this place? Yes. 24,000 square feet, uh, 10,000 windows, t- 2,000 doors, 160 rooms, 52 skylights. 47 stairways and fireplaces. 47. That's like a number that I use when I'm trying to exaggerate. (laughs) I say 102, but still. 17 chimneys, 13 bathrooms, six kitchens, which would be nice, honestly, because you don't need to clean up. You could just go to the next kitchen. Just go to the next kitchen. Just, you know, just leave. I would forget where I put the friggin' milk. I'd be like, it's going to be in the last kitchen I go to, isn't it? So it was built at a price tag of $5 million in 1923 or $71 million in today's money. And there's not even a pool? For real. (laughs) And it's in California, too. You need a pool if you live in California. I hate pools, but I agree. Um, It was known to Sarah as Yanadavia, is I think how you say it. Is that another language or is that her saying something really fast? Yanadavia, like a, a villa? Oh. (laughs) <laughs> for white people villa villa yes so sarah was born stella lockwood party in new haven connecticut in 1839 blood in the streets in the town of new haven you know i every time i sing every time i go to new haven i sing that song and my husband's like can you stop singing that song out loud Remember that- what that one's about uh, that is a, that's a door song, uh, because Jimmy, right. Hendrick, Jimmy, not Jimmy Hendrix, Jim Morrison, um, was arrested in New Haven for whipping yes. his pecker out on stage. Well, I mean, no one asked for it. <laughs> so, it was an unsolicited dick pic. <laughs> yeah, nobody wanted to see your penis. We wanted to hear your monotone voice, sir. <laughs> so Sarah's father, Leonard Pardee, mainly supported the family in his work as a Finnish carpenter slash joiner slash carriage maker. Renaissance he sm- man. He schmoozed with the elites of the area as he kept a progressive household and was involved in local politics. Just there like us. Sev- <laughs> there, there were several uncles and cousins in her family that were associated with the Freemasons. Mm-hmm. And due to this, she likely had met her future husband while she was a child. Like, due to, you know, being in and out of these fancy circles of people. Mm-hmm. Sarah was absolutely brilliant and studious with many talents such as language, music composition, math, and science. I can't remember exactly how many, but I think she spoke a few different languages. Whatever Um, language Fila is. Yeah. (laughs) Spanish. (laughs) Well, also maybe Italian too. I think it's the same word. Perhaps. I mean, yeah. Under the Tuscan sun, they say Villa a lot. So that's fair. Maybe it's a mix like Yenada Villa. It just sounds too... I don't know. It just doesn't sound correct. It sounds like you're saying uh, with a, with like a regional accent, you're not a villa. You're not a villa. (laughs) You are not a villa. So Sarah was part of Yale University's Young Ladies Collegiate Institute at a young age. Snap. Um, I found a website called The Truth About Sarah Winchester, Mm -hmm. which it's basically a novel in website Mm -hmm. form. It's very long, but there was a lot of really good information there. And um, they stated Sarah adhered to both Bacon's Kabbalistic theosophy. What are you laughing at, Bacon? No, no, I didn't laugh. I was, uh, (laughs) no, I was jiggling my mouse because the computer screen went dark. (laughs) Uh, So Bacon's Kabbalistic theosophy and this theosophical perspective held by Rudolf Steiner. Steiner viewed the universe, now remember this, 
Steiner viewed the universe as a vast living organism in which all things are likened to individually evolving units or cells that compromise a greater universal synergistic body that is ever building. Okay, that's fair. She was gorgeous to boot, and she earned the nickname the Belle of New Haven, which is like, that's what they call me whenever I'm there. Right? They call me the lady that sings the doors every time. (laughs) (laughs) They call the police on you for singing the doors. And I only know the one line to the song. (laughs) They're like, lady, learn the whole fucking song. If you're learn sing. the whole song or stop singing. So she married William Winchester in 1866, who was the heir to the Winchester Repeating Arms Company and Fortune. The hmm. Winchester Model 1873 rifle was known as the gun that won the West, which makes me a little bit uncomfortable considering that probably means these guns killed a lot of Native Americans. Right. Um, this was the time of the, the Wild Wild West and not the movie with Will Smith because that was a good version. I remember they had a ice cream that came out for the Wild Wild West movie, and I remember it being delicious. That makes sense. I remember the the toys from like Burger King or something that came out at that time. It was like little chocolates with caramel in it, and they were swirled into vanilla ice and delicious. Mm. Wasn't there um like a giant mechanical spider in that movie? I never saw the movie, but um, probably. What? Jordan, we have to watch it. I don't want to. I don't want to. <laughs> I want the ice cream back. Can I? Can I? What can about I... the song that goes with it? Wow, wow, West. We <laughs> all roll with the wow, wow, West. <laughs> Jim West. I just <laughs> I just like movies where they like say just names of the characters or the actors throughout the song. <laughs> they do. They do it from every movie from Charlie's Angels to Eight Mile. <laughs> well, yeah, that's true. Yes, they do. So, so the Bell of New Haven. Yes. So the, the Winchester Model 1873 rifle. Or was it a re- repeater? I don't know what the difference is. I use these in video games, but I unlike some people, I don't pretend to know. To I don't pretend that that means I know what I'm talking about. I know nothing Anyways, about that. Well, me neither. That's that's the long and short of that. Right. Um, but it was toted by such prominent people as Buffalo Bill, not the one from Silence of the Lambs. No. Um, and our girl, Annie Oakley. As yes. well as the original Ron Swanson and champion of the National Park Service, Theodore Roosevelt. Oh, Sarah and William had only one baby, a mm-hmm. little girl named Annie. She was born with marasmus, so she was unable to process calories, and she died from malnutri- malnutrition at only 40 days old in 1866. Oh, that's terrible. I know. Sad. William died in 1881 at the age of 43 from complications due to tuberculos- tuberculosis. Tuber- Sarah inherited $20 million, which is equivalent to about $5 billion in today's money. So, you know, just a little bit. A little bit of money. Um, as she- well as 50% of the stock in the company, entitling her to $1,000 in royalties every single day. She was one of the wealthiest women in the world. That's fantastic. Good for her, right? I she mean, could she yeah. could have had shrimp to anything she wants at the outback. <laughs> she could. She okay. could have existed back then. Or maybe she she could even afford to travel to the actual outback and have somebody cook something for her for her. And add shrimp to it. <laughs> shrimp on the bobby. Shrimp on the bobby. So um, um so things started to unravel a little bit, didn't they? Not yeah. Not, I'm not there yet. Girl. Girl. Give Sarah a minute here. Give Sarah a tick. Um, so she left an endowment with the Winchester Chess Clinic at the Yale New Haven Hospital. Mm. And she made a brief trip around the world for three years. Not really brief. Three years is kind of a long time. That's a while. But like, you know, anybody who recently became loaded would probably do. I, I told <laughs> Fuck Connecticut. I'm going to Europe. And get a lot of shrimp. I am still on the shrimp. <laughs> <laughs> Lobster. You could buy a lot of lobster dinners. Oh, I love lobster. You could tell we're not rich because we wouldn't know what to do. I don't know. Like a shrimp. What would you do? What would you do if you got that? If you got that massive sum of money that sounds ridiculous, what would you do? I would probably just travel around the world nonstop until I died, or until I couldn't move anymore. 
I would dress up as a homeless person. And then when people gave me money, I would just like give them a roll of fifties or something. <laughs> like, I, I don't know. Like, because if you, you, that would, much- you would pull an Uno reverse card and be like, actually, I'm going to give you three times as much as you just gave me. Right. Because if you have that much money, you can really be eccentric. Yes. And mm-hmm. she was. Yes. Um, so Richard Allen Wagner, he's the one that wrote the website, um, The Truth About Sarah Winchester. Mm-hmm. He speculates that Sarah could have spent this time visiting more liberal Masonic lodges or famous art and architecture. So apparently she was a fan of Masonic Rosicrucian labyrinths, but so is Daedalus, lol. That's <laughs> what I wrote in my note. <laughs> <laughs> so when she was done gallivanting mm-hmm. in Europe, etc., she settled down in California, purchasing an eight-room fart, fart, fart house. A fart house. <laughs> I'm bro- 12, and that, that, that word still makes me laugh. Oh, farts are always funny. I don't care what anybody says, how much money you've got, how many degrees you have. Farts are funny. <laughs> An eight-room farm house <laughs> in the Santa Clarita Valley in 1884 from a Dr. Robert Caldwell, along with 161 acres of farmland. Oh, that's something that I thought of that I would do if I had this much money. What? I would buy it like, because sometimes you can you can find like parcels of land for sale and it's like 200 acres. Yeah. I would fucking buy one of those and just donate it to the state to be a state park. That's oh, that'd be cool. Yeah, that's a good idea. She had a plan in mind of what she wanted to do with the place and went from architect to architect. When none of her visions match up, when none of their visions matched up with hers, she decided to take matters into her own hands. Mm-hmm. It should be noted, however, that she had no formal training in architecture. She was just a fan. She was <laughs> no, no, <laughs> just like William Hung. No, no professional, tra- <laughs> no professional training, and we all know how that went. She bangs. She, oh my god, that's old. I, I'm here for you. So she hired twenty workers to work in shifts around the clock, twenty four seven, for thirty eight years. Again, ever building, right? Just still building. Her niece, Marion Daisy Merriman. I mean, who did that? Marion Merriman? Merriman. That's rude. <laughs> called her Daisy. <laughs> I would have called her Daisy. She moved into the house with Sarah in 1888 and lived there with her for 15 years. This is your goal, isn't it? What? To have like Haley move in with me to like a, a house that I build forever? Yes. <laughs> She'd probably be like, Auntie, what the fuck is going on? And she would do that now. (laughs) Like, Haley, where'd you learn that word? You're five, four. Sorry, she's not five yet. Um, So I wanted wanted to touch on spiritualism in the late 19th century in the United States. Mm -hmm. So what brought, pretty much what brought spiritualism about in the U.S. was the Fox Sisters of Hydesville, New York. Mm -hmm. The spiritualist following began from the sisters' supposed communication with the dead from within their family home in 1884. So... I don't know if you, you're probably familiar with this at least a little bit, oh, but, yeah. but it was these two teenage girls who purported that they could like hear knocking and they could communicate with spirits and their house was haunted. And all of these people flocked from all over the United States to kind of see what was going on. And it turned out they faked the whole thing. Um, Always be weary when teenage girls report seeing something or hearing something. It was like the original TikTok. They were like, oh my God, you guys, my house is really haunted. It's true. Well, it's so like, our yeah, the Salem witch trials. The maid, yeah. yeah, the maid made me possessed. Yes, exactly. Ugh. So our very own boy, Mark Twain. Mark Twain. We have to go off on a tangent and explain that. So last year, the year before, I think it was two years ago. Two years ago, um, myself, Kayla, and my husband Brian all we go on a fall witchy. Tour, tour of, of the Mark sorry. Twain house in Hartford. Yes, but every year we sort of go on a weird witchy thing. Oh, yeah, so yeah, we yeah. went on a haunted tour of the Mark Twain house in Hartford, which, by the way, was fantastic. You go there in the nighttime. Apparently, it was when I, us and a whole bunch of people over the age of 60. And they walked up and down those really steep stairs like a champ. <laughs> Let me just yes, tell you. So apparently when I was, I think in Disney World, if you go on a boat... They, there's like this steamboat and they always go over the PA system, or at least they did in the year 2000 when I was there. They would say, Mark Twain. 
And I found it pertinent to say that about 50,000 times during this tour. So anytime there was a lull, Mark Twain. Ryan pretended he didn't know us. I don't know why. Yeah. And we both felt weird spiritual stuff in the house and we didn't acknowledge it until we got into the car. And Brian's like, <laughs> Brian's like great. Let's, why don't they walk home? <laughs> Mark Twain. Well, yeah. he dabbled in spiritualism. Yes, he did. Kind of. Um, partially because he lost his daughter, Susie, when she was only 24 years old. We saw the room so, she died in. What's that? We saw the room she died in. We did. And it had really beautiful wallpaper. I took a picture of it. Um, it it's an illegal picture. <laughs> don't at I me. I don't think so. I thought we weren't supposed to take pictures. Well, whatever. Well, then why did I create um, a diversion when you took the picture? <laughs> Ma'am, please stop laying on the bed. It's not, <laughs> it's not for visitors. <laughs> but I need a nap. <laughs> um, so it, he lost Susie when she was only 24 years old. Mm-hmm. And the want to reconnect with our lost loved ones is strong. Right. But tw- Mark Tween was kind of a skeptic like me. Yeah. Um, I don't, I assume everything is fake that I see like online about hauntings and stuff like that. But anyways. Right. Um, the loved and hated Ouija board was created in Baltimore in 1890. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd also like to note that I've inherited my great-grandmother's collection of two Ouija boards, an ESP game, and a pendulum board. So witchery runs in the family. Witchery is strong. But yes, I mean, before the Ouija board, I think it was just called like a spirit board or something like that. But Mm -hmm. it was around the time of when spiritualism was really big um, that the Ouija board was created. So just, you know... To get you in the mental space of of what people believed in. And they, they were having these fucking seances and shit and phrenology and all of that jazz. The I Victorians. Have a, the Victorians. I have a phrenology chart and you have a Ouija board. That's why we're friends. There we go. We match. We match. Um, so Sarah Winchester, Myths and Legends. Mm-hmm. What is the story that you've heard about Sarah Winchester? Um, that she, like, this is just what I've pieced together. Um, she kept building and building her house, uh, because she was afraid that she was haunted by the spirits of the people that were killed by the rifle Mm -hmm. company that her husband's family owned. Mm -hmm. So the abridged version is that she was driven mad by the deaths of both Andy and William, as well as the guilt of horrors caused by the Winchester rifles. Allegedly, shortly after William's death, she visited, visited a medium who told her that the spirits of those killed by Winchester guns were restless, and the only way to appease them was to constantly build the house. I think, I this old. is just my aside on my opinion, mm-hmm. um, I think this is all projection based on how modern day folks might deal with all of this. Um, this is before I read a little bit more, but I'll, I'll, I'll go yeah. into what I think. Not that anyone asked. I'm asking. Um Miscarriage, infertility, and the death of an infant are all similarly horrific and tragic and often get brushed off as something um, prospective parents need to just get over, especially women, which is horrible. Which is not, yeah, not true and horrible. Um, I found little information on Sarah's relationship with William, so perhaps they were madly in love. Perhaps it was a marriage of convenience. Either way, I'm sure it was pretty devastating to lose a life partner, but... Um, Annie and William also died 16 years apart. So the story of her being devastated by both of these deaths doesn't really add up Mm -hmm. because there was a very long grieving period in between. Like 16 years is a long time. Right. Um, It's entirely possible Sarah felt guilt about inheriting the Winchester fortune, but I think this is mostly speculation. Present day, I think most of us would want to distance ourselves from people who profit off of death. The fact of the matter is that most people in the 20th century didn't feel bad about owning or using guns. Most of them did. Right. What I read is that Sarah was kind of reclusive and she didn't offer any commentary on her own personal life or um, the Winchester Repeating Arms Company or her involvement with it at all. So the media of the time pretty much just made all the shit up. True. Because they didn't know what to make of this house and why she kept building it and what it all meant. Um, it's kind of like, like your English teacher reading you a poem and being like, the birds represent God and the poet walking in and be like, no, it's just birds, <laughs> no, just, birds just birds. Nope. I just I like birds. And there they are. Um, so the article that I read from the week posited that a lot of these rumors, which began during Sarah's lifetime, were the result of sexism. Shocker. Yeah. Instead of being looked at as brilliant and innovative, if not a bit eccentric. Mm hmm. Sarah was labeled as insane, hysterical, and unable to move on from her husband's death. 
Shocker. Yeah. Shocker. It's always about a man. Nothing wrong with being eccentric, by the way. No. There's also a bizarre witchy angle that guesses that Sarah has discovered the endless, that endless building is the secret to eternal youth. Not really sure how that works because the secret to eternal youth is definitely like bathing in the blood of virgins. So. And retinol. She wasn't doing that. And retinol. And sunscreen. Yes. <laughs> the first time that this myth was really dismantled for me was after reading the chapter about it in Colin Dickery's fantastic book, Ghostland, an American history in haunted places, which explores ghost legends and lores from around the United States. Mm -hmm. Dickey's guess is that the rumors came about due to the e economic uncertainty of the time when unemployment was at about 40%. Sounds familiar. Ah, hmm. So here's my next question for you. And we kind of we kind of already touched on this. Mm -hmm. What interest would you would you pursue if you had near limitless amounts of money? Ooh, what interest would I pursue? Like what hobby? Yeah, I mean, yeah. Cats. Um, <laughs> I just have 7,000 cats. And a lot of bird um oh my gosh, I would like I would own a distillery. I would Adopt a bunch of cats. I would. I'd still work because I do like to work. Um, you well, always say thing, that you, would, you always say that you would travel, but I am such a homebody. I'm probably like I would probably like go on a like a really nice trip a, a couple times a year. Anonymous philanthropy. Uh, yeah, I would be eccentric. I would wear you know long wrap dresses all the time and big hats and. Always have a crystal glass of bourbon with me, which is basically what I do now besides the funny hat, um, <laughs> which is basically my life now. But I, yeah, that's what I would do. I would, yeah, animals. Yep. I would help animals. Right. Like we, yeah. we all have this list yeah. of things that we would do, you know, like pay off my student loans, buy my parents a house, yeah. buy myself a house, you know, travel the world. The things that I came up with were spend years traveling the world, get a second or third college degree. Um, buy additional homes and hermit away in all of them. So, you know, you've got your your summer home in New England. You've got your winter home in, I don't know, somewhere warm. <laughs> and maybe just for ha-has, you've got a beach house in California. And sure. you never talk to anybody. You just go to a different house. Mm -hmm. um, well, Sarah had it her she spent her entire life basically creating art and architecture that challenged the norm and expressed expressed values feelings and beliefs of her own she was a well-known philanthropist and her constant construction of the house kept many local builders artists and artisans paid throughout the remainder of her life that's a well, good of course point. we don't think of it that way we think of her as insane and hysterical and you know since according to some people money automatically makes you evil that too Especially when a woman has it, people hate that. <laughs> so contrary to popular belief, construction was not constant. Sarah would stop it for months at a time, and it's believed that no construction was done in the last two years of her life. Mm -hmm. But there are many peculiar aspects to the architecture of the home, which is what it's famous for. We all know that. Right. Um, there's a door to nowhere, stairs that lead into the ceiling, a skylight embedded in the floor, a ballroom built entirely without any nails. I don't know how that's possible. Glue. <laughs> just a lot of wood glue. <laughs> a lot of wood glue. Many unique parts of the house hold symbolic meaning. So our friend, if you remember before, our friend Richard Allen Wagner, yes. who wrote the, the novel website about her, mm -hmm. really delves into them on his website in a big brain way that I had a really hard time digesting in order to paraphrase appropriately. So I'm going to link to his website and definitely check it out check for out more the, information. Check out the big brain. <laughs> the big brain. What was his name? Richard Allen Wagner. Check out the big brain on Richard. <laughs> beep, beep, Richie. <laughs> 20 bucks if you can name the movie that's from. My dad listens to this. He totally could. It. It's from the movie It. Oh, I'm talking about it's check out the big brain on. Oh, oh, oh. I, I'm talking about beep, beep, Richie. Oh, we're, we're talking about two different movies. Do you know what check out the big brain on is from? No. One of our favorite, one of our favorite screaming actors delivered the quote. Mm -hmm. It is a tasty burger. Oh, 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 Samuel L. Jackson. It's from Pulp Fiction. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Okay. So tired of these motherfucking snakes on this motherfucking plane. Um, mm -hmm. What was I saying? Oh, yeah. Richard Allen Wagner. Definitely check him out. He really believes that Sarah was hardcore into Masonic traditions. He posits that the house was essentially a giant puzzle or series of puzzles. 
For example, there is a switchback staircase is what what the people um, who give tours there call it. At the entrance of the house, which includes stairs that are only two inches in height and a path that has seven turns in total, reflecting Jacob's Ladder, which in Masonic tradition is a ramp that has seven turns and leads into heaven. Oh. Mm -hmm. There are a lot of symbols that hint toward beliefs in reincarnation. Was Sarah looking for the return of her husband or daughter? Was she hoping to reincarnate herself and continue her work? The world may never know. In 1910, she had purchased a home in atherton to be closer to her sister isabel and her niece daisy and spent most of her time there so she wasn't even living in the winchester mystery house she wasn't living in this really wild house it probably was a pain in the ass to live in can you imagine trying to clean that fuck i don't want to clean my apartment that's fucking tiny never mind twenty four thousand square feet i'd be like no i'm just moving it to a different house nope forget it I spilled something on the floor. I'm done here. We're just never going to go into this room again. So Sarah passed away in 1922 at 83 years old, leaving most of her inheritance to Daisy. The house was leased in 1923 by John and Mamie Brown, who planned to turn it into a theme park. And the public was like, no, 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 I don't think you're going to do that. Because they wanted to build like a fucking roller coaster. Oh, no. California were like, um, no one asked. (laughs) No, no, we... They didn't have Disney World yet, but it was coming. They're like, well, just wait for Disney. Disneyland is what's in California, right? Yeah. So the public was not having this, and they essentially pressured them into turning it into a spot that they could tour. Yeah, that makes good sense. In 1924, Harry Houdini (gasps) visits the house with hopes, uh, hopes of debunking many of the magical myths and leaves without accomplishing much, but is the first to dub it the mystery house. Because it was a mystery to him. He couldn't really figure it out. Thank you, Harry Houdini. Thanks for nothing. <laughs> Thanks for the name. Thanks for the name. Sorry about your gallbladder. Sorry about your mustache. You didn't have a mustache. Harry Houdini? No. Well, I'm thinking of Charlie Chaplin. <laughs> Not even close. Not <laughs> even close. I always get those two people mixed up. How? That dude from the time way before I was born that was in the movies. The pictures. Harry Houdini wasn't in pictures. <laughs> Stop talking to me. I'm Googling Harry Houdini mustache. Maybe he grew an ugly one in college. Let me, let me Google him too. I loved the Harry Houdini movie starring Tony Curtis and Janet oh, Leigh. He, he did not have a mustache at all. No, he did not. He he, was he a... looks very angry in all of these pictures. What is well, he so angry about? He, you know how much time he spent in straight jackets? You'd be angry too. <laughs> that was his choice. He needed he to make a living. Damn. Are you are you getting thirsty over Harry Houdini right now? He was good. He was... All right, anyways. Anyway. Any hooch. Any hooch. Um, so after John and Mamie pass away in the 1950s, Their children continued to operate the house as a tourist destination. It was finally granted a state historic landmark in 1974. It took that long? Yeah. You know how many shitty houses there are in Northwest Connecticut that were declared landmarks? (laughs) Well, when did we come up with that? Like the state historic register, though? The hell if I know. (laughs) Because we, I mean... But I was going to start talking about how young our country is, but that's you know. true. And, but New, I feel like New England is older than the rest of the country for some reason. This well, it's kind of well, it, 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 it is as we know it. Yeah, mm-hmm. it all excuse me, it all existed this entire time. But anyway, so it was made a landmark. That's all she wrote. That's <laughs> the story of the Winchester Mystery House. We can't. We are going to Jordan and I. Yes, do a virtual tour because. Since people during the pandemic can't go to the Winchester Mystery House, they do, um, they're doing virtual tours right now. I think you can pay like nine bucks and tour the entire house. And I think that there's also like video tours or something. I don't know. Go on the website. You'll see it. Do we get a tour guide? I hope so. I mean, I pity the fool, but are we? (laughs) (laughs) You mean like somebody actually walking through the house, like holding a, holding their phone? Yes. Yeah, that's what I'm visualizing right now. We should probably be sober for it because we'd be insufferable. I hope it's an elderly woman named Doris. I love an elderly woman named Doris. She'll be like, welcome, ladies. This is the Winchester Mystery House. We're on 
Um, it's eight o'clock your time and five o'clock our time. And we'll be like, wow, what a mystery. What a mystery <laughs> time. Am I right? Speaking of old ladies, has anybody checked in on Ruth Bader Ginsburg? No. I would totally. I haven't, been, I haven't been to her house in a while. I would totally do her grocery shopping. <laughs> yeah, of course. I mean, I know she I know she has children, and I know her daughter Jane freezes her meals for her. I learned that on CBS Sunday morning. Well, that's sweet. Right. I saw, I think it was, um, which comedian had her on? Was it Stephen Colbert? Where they did her, like, workout routine with her? I, I can't remember, <laughs> but that workout routine was fantastic. It looked hard. That's more working out than I do. Yeah, she does a lot of, like, weight-based, and she's, like, yeah. and she's ridiculously small. Mm-hmm. So, bless her dear heart. I hope. I'm glad she's doing well. I, I think they did a, pre- and speaking of old ladies that we're worried about, they did pr- a press release that Betty White is fine. Good, because she's literally older than sliced bread. Yes, she is. Mm-hmm. Oh, my gosh. Her and Keith Richards are going to be eating a box of Twinkies after the world ends with a bunch of cockroaches. <laughs> Good for them. Good for them. God bless. Good for them. Oh. Have you read any good books lately, Jordan? I my mind is on books right now. For mine some is reason. on books. Um, you know I'm the queen of the half read book. Me um, too. Yeah, my husband. I'm the princess. Yeah, so or we can both be queens. There's nothing wrong with. <laughs> yeah, it does. It, there's not a. It's not a be all end all. We can both be queens. I am the queen of the half read book, so I am really trying to like finish books that I've started. Um, mm. I need I, to do that. I did finish. Will my cat eat my eyeballs? By our love, Caitlin Doty. Perfect. And right now I'm reading In Praise of Difficult Women. I'm actually almost done. And actually, <laughs> books like that are up my are up my speed. It's 29 chapters. Each one's about 10 pages, and it gives a mini biography on difficult women. Oh, that's awesome. That's so easy. Yeah. And I just read uh, Frida Kahlo today, which I enjoyed. Next chapter mm. is Nora Ephron. Um, the last couple of chapters, I'm really excited about a bunch of them and really bummed about one of them. There's one chapter I'm dreading reading. What's that? Lena Dunham. But but she's like in between Hillary Clinton, Janis Joplin, and Carrie Fisher. I'm like, I just need to suck it up. And what was the title of the book again? In Praise of Difficult Women. Yeah. Difficult. I would call her difficult, but not in like a, a complimentary way. Which I think, you know what? I think that is a good thing to acknowledge that you can be difficult and you can acknowledge somebody's tenacity and not like them shockingly women are multidimensional and some women suck and some are wonderful and some are both even some feminists suck or people mm-hmm. that call themselves yes so people that um self-label as feminists some of them are not good speaking of books um one of my favorite author- authors is um is it gillian flynn jillian flynn i think it's gillian flynn is, is how you pronounce it really? who wrote gone girl mm-hmm. um i've read i didn't read gone girl because i watched the movie but um, I read all of her other books, and she's very, very wonderful at writing three-dimensional women who are flawed and confused and struggling, and they're still the heroine of the story. So if you like that kind of thing, check out her. her I mean, her writing is just fantastic in general, but her character writing is, like, on point. I like oh, what I've... Go ahead. No, I was just going to say, that's fancy. I like a multidimensional character who's yeah. a minority. Like, no, it's maddening to see. Because, yes, because I feel like, um, I saw this in the 1960s a lot, and I love Sidney Poitier, um, but, mm-hmm. they, but he played perfection personified in every single movie. Well, why mm-hmm. can't he be a wonderful, flawed, excellent but, you know, still not perfect man of color? Like, why does he need, why does he need to be perfect? Right. Um, George R. R. Martin is also really good at writing mm-hmm. those sort of three-dimensional characters. Right. Um, doesn't show up as much in the show because those writers are terrible. But <laughs> <laughs> George is fantastic at writing characters. Um, I I don't know. You've never watched Game of Thrones, but um, no. Cersei, who is really supposed to be a villain, mm-hmm. um, as I was reading or listening to the audiobooks, um, which were narrated by Roy Dotrice, who was fantastic. But anyways had a really hard time hating Cersei. So, and that's like when you know you do good character writing is when you feel bad for the villain. Right. I think that's not, I don't even think that's a bad thing. Right. Because, nor- you know, normal people become villains all the time. Correct. And villains don't see themselves as villains. That's so important to remember. Everybody is the hero of their own story and every villain thinks they are doing the very best. 
even if most of them, most of them, even if they're doing something abhorrent or something that we look back on and see as abhorrent, they, they most of the time, most of the time did not see themselves in that way. And I think it's really interesting. Yes. The book I, I am, well, I'm listening to an audiobook right now. It's called Waking the Witch by Pam Grossman, which I told you about. Um, yes, but Pam has a podcast that's uh, similarly themed, but it explores kind of witches throughout history and what they symbolize and how basically they symbolize women from the very beginning who were, um, you know, dared to be independent and confident and unquestioning, I guess, of themselves. And so they're immediately accused of being like devil worshippers. Of questioning of everything else. Anyways, that was my ramble. That was your ramble. Is it random question time? I thought I asked you a random question. Which book you read? Do you have a different one for me? Oh, I do have a I do have a question for you. I didn't know that was the I didn't know that was the random question. Usually we say it's random question time. Um I actually just thought of it uh because you were talking about witches. So mm-hmm. Five, so five people, living or dead, who's your ideal coven? Oh, I know that was good, huh? Cher. Oh, yeah. It's the first person who comes to mind. Cher and Stevie Nicks. Yeah, obviously. That's two people. Yep. Remember we used to play this game of who in Hollywood we thought was a witch? We still kind of play this game. What do you mean remember? We did that like last week. It's not like... <laughs> I'm trying to think of all of the people we've named. I know, because Kayla oh. and I text each other and say she'd be in the coven. Do you know who's a witch? Hmm. Um, or who I would want in my coven? Janelle Mane. Yes, absolutely. Who else? Who did I recently say can she be in our coven? I think Jamila Jamil. I think you might have, yeah. I want her, for okay. sure. That's one more. Uh, Dorothy Parker. Absolutely. Yes. And what about you? Oh, I knew you were going to ask that. Janice Joplin. Mm-hmm. Carrie Fisher. Mm-hmm. And this is, by the way, excluding you. You know, you and I are just uh, yeah, <laughs> already there. This yep. is just additional people. Yeah. So Janice Sharp like Carrie Fisher. Coven of 12. Yes. Including us. Including us. Yoko Ono. I think we've put her in the coven before. Oh, yeah, for sure. I'm not going to name the ones that you named because in my mind, we're melding these people together and we're all just yeah. going to be in the same coven. So I, th- all right, so I need two more. I'm like trying to think of all my favorite feminists, and I have so many. Rita Moreno, Rita Moreno, original EGOT, woman of color, EGOT, boss lady, um, Catherine Hepburn. Catherine Hepburn, who got shit for wearing pants. <laughs> Shot. Yeah. And Yoko Ono, who got shit for breaking up the Beatles, a rock band. They break up constantly. Yeah, side eye to that. That is a wonderful coven. What will we do first? We Man, get- let's do a healing spell for this entire fucking world. How and about that? A, and then a couple binding curses. Yeah, a few cu- a few curses. I can think of a, a few people on my list who need to be cursed. <laughs> I need to write that list on toilet paper. Um, uh-huh. Uh, yeah, definitely a big healing one. We need to do like a big sisterhood uplifting. I'm just picturing this room with all of these amazing women in it. And it's so fabulous. I know. And snacks, that we need snacks. Yes. And we'll drink. all bring a snack. And drinks. Let us know if you are in our coven, yep. what spell you would want to do and what snack you would bring. <laughs> Absolutely. We'll do some curses. We'll do some healing. We'll have some tapas. So uh, there's a lot going on in the world right now. We are still do- dealing with COVID-19. Like I said, restrictions have been lifted slightly. However, people are still getting sick. So that's mm-hmm. awful. And so somebody- continue to be careful. Yes. If you can stay home, stay home. Mm-hmm. If if you can still live without doing something, live without it. If you can live without mm-hmm. going to the plain blackjack, Please live it. Um, <laughs> get the app. Get the app. Get the app. If you can, you know, support local businesses. If you're, um, if you have to go out and work, be careful. But you know, still socially, just try to be mindful. And you know, it's still out there. The virus is still out there. It hasn't left. Mm-hmm. It hasn't disappeared. And something else um, really tragic happened. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, this is a few days. Uh, this is a few days after um, we were we were notified or we were uh, made aware that um, George Floyd was murdered by a police officer, while other police officers um, 
looked on and saw it happen. And there have been protests and counter protest and counter counter protesting and a lot of um, a lot of discussion and a lot of dialogue and um, a lot surrounding uh, a lot surrounding this issue. Yeah, it's been I think it's been very emotional in every which way for mm-hmm. a lot of people. I'm trying to think of exactly what I want to say. And I think I think my emotions are pretty much summed up as like I'm obviously very sad. I'm tired. I'm I'm sorry to my my friends of color and I'm really disappointed in a lot of people that I know personally for their lack of um participation in the discussion. I kind of feel like, you know, those same people who were really pissed off that Colin Kaepernick took a knee during the national anthem are really fucking silent right now. And um, like, I see you. Yeah. Um, and that's kind of how I feel about that. And I'm just really tired of having to explain to people why um, this is sad or like why it's understandable that people are really pissed off. Um, I shouldn't have to explain that to anybody. You should be a compassionate human being and you should know. And that's un- all. <laughs> <laughs> And un- I have a lot of feelings. <laughs> you have a lot of feelings. It's okay. Everybody has a lot of feelings and mm-hmm. you sum that up really well. Um, it's disheartening. This isn't the first time. This isn't an anomaly. This is happening. Right. Often. It never stopped happening. It never stopped, it never yeah. stopped happening. No. Um, I think it's time. I think, you know, we, you and I are both white and I think mm-hmm. we had to have some really difficult conversations with other white people from as compassionate a place as we can on how we can do better. Sure. And I'm what I am seeing, I just that sure came out wrong. Um, <laughs> yeah, whatever. <laughs> no. Um, what I'm seeing, what I am seeing, and I do, you know, I discuss on my social media, I'm way more of a listener than a, than a poster. I support, you know, mm-hmm. I obviously support this cause and I support this fight, but not but, but I, um, <laughs> I've noticed that a lot of people are really acknowledging their privilege. And I think that's really important. And I don't think that's happened. I see that happening more. And I think that's a really good thing. And it's a really good place to start. And you're not doing anything wrong by acknowledging, okay, maybe I've had it easier because of the color of my skin. And you have, um, not saying that you haven't struggled in your life. You know, everybody has had their own, um, advantages and disadvantages, but acknowledging what is an advantage in your life and what is a disadvantage in your life and how um, your worldview can be greatly shifted and altered by something as not simple, but something as surface as the color of your skin is really, so it's a hard thing to acknowledge and discuss the fact that it's still, it's still happening. It started out as an issue of the color of somebody's skin, but because it's been ingrained in our psyche and ingrained in our culture for so long, it's spread into culture. It's spread into wealth dis- distribution. It's spread mm-hmm. into it's systemic. Yeah, systemic. It is systemic. It- and I think I'm I'm willing to have, like I said before, those compassionate conversations. Like if if people really don't understand those concepts, mm-hmm. talk to me about it. Let's talk about it. And it's okay um, not to understand. It's right. perfectly fine. And I think the the biggest thing too is that like privilege doesn't mean that you've never had a hardship. That's not what that means. Absolutely it not. It just means that your hardships weren't shaped by the color of your skin or your gender identity or your sexual orientation. And if your because, struggles- I mean, let's be real, life fucks us all. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and if it has, then have, then you've been there. You've been in that foxhole. Mm-hmm. So acknowledge that somebody else has been in the foxhole too. Whether you think they were or they weren't, that's their that's their experience. Mm-hmm. So, so um, I there's a lot of different. I, I mean, if you are able to, if you're as upset about this as we are, um, and you're able to kind of um, provide any financial support, there are a ton of really wonderful organizations mm-hmm. that you can contribute to. Um, I just donated to Campaign Zero. Mm-hmm. which is related to um, Black Lives Matter. And they kind of seek to find solutions to really restructure this entire system to end police violence. Um, and that was, I really, really looked and researched and that was really something that I believe in to help mm-hmm. this situation. Um, 
But there are, are plenty of other places that you can donate to, both local and national. And if you can't donate, you know, there are other things that you can do, like having those conversations or creating art or attending protests. Mm-hmm. Um, it doesn't always have to involve money. No. And if you do, if you do choose to attend a protest, um, we're not here to um, condone violence, of course, by any means. Um, from a medical professional's standpoint, for a health standpoint, um, this is a worthwhile cause. However, your health is important too. If you are ill, if you've been affected by the coronavirus, if you are sick with something else, do not attend. Right. Just like anything else. Yes. You know, you can be there in spirit, create a sign and have one of your friends bring it or something like that. Right. Post it, post it on a social media account. If you are immune compromised, mm. if you are in Skip a vulnerable it. population, do not go. And even if you are not any of those things, if you are perfectly healthy and well and feel feel that it is the appropriate and right move for you to do to be a part of a protest, keep yourself safe. Distance as much as you can. Wear a mask. Wear eye protection. Wear protective clothing. Wear sunscreen. Have, wear sunscreen. Absolutely. <laughs> Have food with you. Have hand. Have a way to clean your hands with you. Um, spare change of clothes probably isn't a bad idea. Getting undressed in your garage is probably not a bad idea when mm-hmm. you get home. And um, have the number of a good lawyer written on your arm, <laughs> just in case. Or a or a family member. That too. Um, have take any necessary medications before you go. Mm-hmm. Uh keep yourself keep yourself safe make your ne- make your voice heard make your needs known have difficult conversations do the thing but please do the thing safely because if you feel mm-hmm. if you feel so strongly about this we need you around yes exactly just remember to refill the well because if mm-hmm. you like you can't pour from an empty cup you know so remember to just take care of yourself emotionally as well as as physically too and it's okay despite What's going around on around us? There is so much sadness, and there's so much anger, and there's so much there's so much bad stuff around. It's still okay to find good and find pleasure and find enjoyment during all this. In fact, mm-hmm. you need you you need to. We will continue to do hard things, and we will get through this. Yes, yes, we can do hard things. We can do hard things. We have done hard things, and we will do more hard things. Mm-hmm. We're. I hate to sound like a Chevy commercial, but we are all in this together. <laughs> uh, so continue to be excellent, excellent to each other. Talk about hard things. Yes. Do hard things. Keep being you. Keep refilling the well. Yep. We love you. We're, We're here for you. Wear sunscreen. We love you. Bye. Secret to eternal youth. Sunscreen. <laughs> and retinol. <laughs> okay. okay, bye. Bye. Watch me, bitch.